It's so wonderful, isn't it, to see people baptise into Christ Jesus. I hope it did remind you of your baptism. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, we we thank you, Lord. I just want to thank God and acknowledge his presence with us, that he he is present here with us this morning, that uh, Jesus, he rose physically from the dead and he ascended, he went back to heaven. But the Bible says that he didn't leave us as orphans. He sent his Holy Spirit uh, to be with us, to reveal Jesus with us, to us. And I ask in Jesus' name, Father, even as Andrew shared that scripture from Ephesians, Lord, that you would continue to reveal yourself to us, Father, through your word this morning, in Jesus' name. That truly, uh, Lord, in our hearts, Jesus Christ would be set apart as Lord, and that we would make room in our hearts for Jesus. More room for you, Lord, to, to live, to dwell, to express yourself in and through us, in Jesus' name. Father God, this morning that we would know your great love for us, that we would know you better, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been doing a um, a series called, What on Earth Am I Here For? And uh, this is week four of uh, What what on Earth Am I Here For? And uh, we've had a bit of a look at what is genuine success. We've looked at what is it to have genuine impact in life and last week Sam shared a very good message on what it is to walk in genuine obedience to our Lord Jesus Christ and all these things we find centre in a relationship with, with Jesus, in a relationship with God through his son Jesus Christ and living life for him and for his glory. That's where we find our real purpose and meaning that's what we were created for. And today we are looking at genuine worship. Genuine worship. For God's pleasure, not our own. And I'm going to read from the scriptures, uh, from Matthew chapter 6, which is uh, where the series has been coming through. It's part of uh, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And I'm just going to read the word. Jesus says, Have you got your Bibles? Open your Bibles, get them open if you've got them. Matthew 6, verses 1 to 18. I'll be referring back to this passage through the message. Jesus says, Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. For if you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honoured by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. 
This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put on oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Amen. Jesus' words, they're the words of eternal life, of everlasting life. Thank you, Lord. Genuine worship for God's pleasure, not our own. I think we see that today when Jesus says to his disciples, this is how you should pray, or this is a way that you would, sh- would pray. You should pray. Pray like this. He's not pr- saying necessarily pray exactly these words every time we pray, but pray like this. And he says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. To hallow means to make holy, to make holy. And so the sentence might be translated, Father in heaven, may your name be made holy. God's name, God himself is holy, is set apart. He is perfect, he is sinless, he is good in every way, in the true meaning of the word. Hallowed be thy name. May your name be made holy. In a way, it asks a question, doesn't it? How, could, how can God's name be made holy? It already is. But God's name's made holy when his people, when you and I who follow Jesus, when we live for him, when we live lives for him, when the way we speak and the way we act and the things we do reflect who he is. His name is demonstrated as holy by the actions of his people. You know, the, the, the word behind the word father is the Aramaic word Abba. Jesus prayed the prayer in Aramaic. It's Abba, Father. It's actually the word that in, in, in some parts of the Middle East, even today, in Aramaic-speaking countries, it's the first word a baby will say to their daddy, to their father, Abba, Abba Father. It speaks of an intimate trust. It speaks of a, a very secure and safe relationship, Abba Father. The word Abba also carries with it in the Aramaic meaning. It does have a sense of reverence, a sense of respect, but it is the first word a little born baby, a newborn baby learning to speak will call their daddy, Abba Father. I'm going to touch on that again later, perhaps. 
keep it in mind. God is your Abba Father. In fact, I believe this morning there's people here who need to know God as your Father. You don't know him yet as your Father. God wants you to know him this morning as Abba Father. There are others of us who need to continue to grow in our understanding that God is our Father. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And so he's teaching his disciples to pray and and focusing them in on who God is and living for his purposes, living for Jesus. God wants the best for us. It's the best that Jesus is teaching. And, And genuine worship, genuine worship happens when we put God first in all things. We understand that worship is not simply uh, coming to church this morning, singing songs. Worship is our whole of life. It's the reason I live. We can worship God in our work. We can worship God in our study at school. It's the way we live. A a, um, definition of worship I came across, reverent devotion in service to God motivated by God's saving acts in history. Reverent devotion and service to God, motivated by God's saving acts in history. This morning we witnessed three baptisms. Three baptisms that were motivated by God's saving acts. That were motivated by realising Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin and my sin. For realising that, he, that God provided forgiveness of sin. For realizing that in Jesus we can have a relationship with God and know him. Those who were baptized this morning were motivated by God's saving acts. And uh, their action was an act of worship as they submitted to God and obeyed him. You know, there's great, great pleasure... And we'll find great joy in following Jesus. And there's great fulfillment in knowing Jesus, in knowing God, and serving him. And Jesus uh, is uh, speaking to his disciples in the passage we read today. And he says this. He says, to be careful. Have I got the next slide? Mightn't be on. It's on. Jesus, uh, sorry, I've slipped one. Yeah. You see, worship, worshiping God, following Jesus can be very rewarding. And it is very rewarding. It's not always easy. It's not without pain. It's not, it's not easy to follow Jesus. I get frustrated when people say, come to Jesus. He'll just fix up all your life and it'll be all, you know, you'll live in happiness and it'll all go great for you. Well, you, you will live in, in true joy and true happiness knowing Jesus But it doesn't mean life's going to be easy. In fact, the Bible tells me that everyone who wants to follow Jesus Christ will be persecuted. Everyone who wants a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. The Bible indicates to us that, that not all circumstances change when we come to Jesus. We still live in the same family, the same community, the same world. We have the same pressures. But following Jesus... 
and living for God and worshipping Him is very rewarding. Yet Jesus says to His disciples, you need to be careful. He says, I want you to be careful. I want you to be careful about the reason you do what you do. Jesus says, be careful in Matthew 6 verse 1, not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness. In the passage we read today, Jesus mentions three specific acts. He, He says he mentions praying, he mentions giving to the needy, giving, and he mentions fasting. That's uh, going without, usually going without food to concentrate our prayers, an act of self-denial. He says, be careful not to do these things before men. He doesn't say not to do them. In fact, as you read the passage, he implies that disciples of Jesus will do them. Disciples of Jesus do acts of righteousness. Not just these acts, but acts of righteousness. But Jesus says, be careful, be careful why you're doing him. Be careful. Jesus gives us a warning concerning our motivation and also a promise concerning God God our Father's reward. He says this. He says, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't even be like them. In Jesus' day, they were religious people. In Jesus' day, they were those who believed in God. They thought they knew God. They thought they were serving God. So they proclaimed. But they would do things to get the praise of people, to get the praise of others. And it's so easy, it's so easy for us as disciples to slip in to an attitude, to a motivation that's looking for the praise of others rather than the praise of God. It is, it's easy for me to lead a good worship service, hopefully preach a good message and rock up at facilitators on Monday morning and uh, look forward to receiving the praise of the team. And, oh, that was, that was great, Selwyn. And, you know, and, and I can really look forward to that. And I have to ask myself, why am I doing this? What's my motivation? By the way, guys, don't stop doing that. <laughs> it has been said you could li- live on a compliment for a week. <laughs> don't stop doing it. Don't stop encouraging one another. Because encouragement can be one of the ways that God is bringing praise to you. And God is encouraging you. So I'm not saying don't do these things. I'm not even saying don't receive these things. But Jesus says, be careful of your motivation. Don't do, don't live for the praise of others, of humans. Which is really the exaltation of self. Don't live for that. Live for Jesus. And Jesus promises reward even from his Father in heaven. He says, when you do that, 
in secret. It's a hard attitude, isn't it, we're talking about. When you do it in secret, in the secret place, when you do it secretly, your father, who is in secret, he sees, your father sees, he rewards you. He rewards you. Jesus is, is promising reward from your father. Get into the secret place. What's your motivation? That secret place that speaks to me of a shared honesty with God, of a shared transparency, that I'm open, that I'm looking to God and He's helping me guard my heart. And, and God the Father rewards when we do something in a right motivation. See, Jesus is not afraid to teach reward. Jesus is not afraid to teach reward. Sam mentioned last week not to underestimate what God can do through your obedience to him. Don't underestimate it. Jesus promises reward, but he does ask and warn, and he does say to us, make sure that you're looking for commendation from God. You're looking for God's praise. You're looking for his righteousness and not our own. His righteousness and not our own. Jesus mentions another act, we might call it an act of worship or an act of righteousness in his prayer, in in his instruction to the disciples to pray. I just want to look at it briefly. He says there in Matthew 6, Verse 12, he says, as part of his instructions to pray, he says, forgive us our debts. We're to pray, forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. For if, and then, in verse 14, for if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. There's a massive difference, there's a huge difference between what the Bible calls the works of the law, the works of flesh or the works of our self. There's a huge difference between those works and the works of faith or the actions of faith. We need to remember that Jesus is teaching his disciples. He's teaching his disciples here And Matthew is a discipleship manual. The New Testament is a discipleship manual. Matthew is not just, we know it's written primarily to the Jewish people, but it's not just written to the Jews. It's written to Gentiles also. We know that from the context he's teaching his disciples. Some of these men will lead his New Testament church. He's preparing disciples who will live a kingdom life who will live in in God's kingdom, who will proclaim his kingdom. And Jesus connects God's forgiveness of his people with our willingness to forgive in in what we've just read. 
We see that forgiveness is a recurring need in what we've just read, like daily bread. We see, we see that forgiveness from the scriptures and the ability to forgive is only made possible because of God's forgiveness for you and I. Only made possible because Jesus Christ, God's Son, died a sacrificial death on the cross for your sin and my sin so that when we come to Jesus in repentance, when we're turning to God and trusting in God in what he's done for us in Jesus, we can know God's forgiveness. Our sins are forgiven. New covenant disciples are to forgive as the Lord forgave you. Justification is the beginning of a continual relationship that is by faith. I like what Bernadine said this morning, that the baptism, as her baptism was a part, was a part of the beginning of an ongoing relationship with God through faith and trust in Jesus Christ, continually trusting, continuing, continually trusting to give and receive forgiveness is a part of continuing in God's kindness. It's a part of continuing in His love. Continuing in His free gift. His righteousness, not my own. We're not talking about the works of the law. We're not talking about earning our salvation. We're talking about continuing to trust God. The forgiven forgive. The forgiven forgive. You and I need to know God's forgiveness and we need to continue in his forgiveness and forgive. Those of us who know Jesus know our sins are forgiven. The forgiven forgive. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, Colossians says. And so I just want to talk about two things this morning as we think of genuine worship that I've mentioned that I believe genuine worship from God springs forth from. Out of today's uh, scripture reading, genuine worship springs forth from a revelation of who God is. Of a revelation of who God is. And now there's a lot to that because God is God and He's awesome. He is huge. He is holy. There's many things, but today I'm concentrating on this one thing that Jesus said to his disciples. He said, when you pray, in verse 7, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans or like the Gentiles do. So he's talking to his disciples who are Jewish. Do not, be, do not uh, keep on babbling like they do, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Don't be like those Gentiles. Don't be like those people who think that many, many words please God or you've got to go through some ritual to get what you're asking from God or you've got to do something to appease God. Don't be like them. They have a wrong concept of who God is. They don't know God. I don't want you to pray like that, Jesus said. I don't want you to pray. I think of... Uh, was it Elijah and the prophets of Baal when he took them on in, in, in Kings? First Kings, is it? Chapter 18. You know, and those who were crying out to Baal, they cried out all day and cut themselves and were in a frenzy. 
But I don't want you to be anything like that, says Jesus, when you pray. I just want you to pray like I'm instructing you now. Just short prayers, just honest prayers that put God first, yes. And then Jesus gives us further content. But I just want you to be real in your prayer life. I want you to talk to God and be real and be honest. Why? Because your Father, because your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. You see, your Father, He knows. He's sovereign, yes, but Jesus didn't say the King of Kings knows or God Almighty knows. The Sovereign One knows. He does know. He does know. He has foreknowledge. Yes, He does. But Jesus says, your Father knows. Your Father knows. And it hit me, it was just, just this week, I think, early, late last week, your Father knows. Not simply because He is sovereign, but because He's dad who knows his child he knows see he knows who someone is he knows everything in someone's heart he knows what someone is going to ask and going to cry out before I do it because he knows He knows you. He's your heavenly father. And he wants you this morning to know, to know him and experience him as your heavenly father. There's another, another thing that genuine worship springs forth from genuine worship of God and that is knowing and experiencing God's forgiveness when we know and experience God's forgiveness we worship God our hearts are drawn into a sincere into a truthful worship of God our Father in heaven when we know his forgiveness, when we know and have experienced God's transforming grace. I'm going to read from Luke chapter 7. Have we got Luke 7? Here we go. It's an account of a lady who had lived a sinful life and was forgiven by Jesus. I just really want us to listen to the words of of the Bible and just ask the Holy Spirit to give us a revelation of God's forgiveness and of our need of his forgiveness this morning. Now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And when a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, 
she bought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owned money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. That's about 500 days of wages, and the other 50 days of wages. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he cancelled the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt cancelled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing me, my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Verse 4, therefore I tell you, said Jesus, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. You see, her love for God, her pouring out of herself on Jesus, that didn't earn her forgiveness. No, that was a sign that she'd abandoned herself to him. She had abandoned herself to Jesus, realizing the enormity of her debt, the enormity of the sins that Jesus had forgiven, that Jesus was willing and able to forgive. Simon, he missed, he missed out potentially. Simon the Pharisee, he was probably a good man. He probably was a good and upright citizen. He was probably a good guy. I've got the feeling that the guys who were baptised this morning, I know they went through some garbage, but they were, they were all right people. They were good people. Thankfully, those who were baptised this morning came to realise their need of forgiveness. Simon, the Pharisee, doesn't realize his need of forgiveness. He doesn't pour out his life to Jesus and abandon himself to him because he hasn't experienced God's forgiveness. By his own choice and hardness of heart, he's cut himself off. He says, at this time in his life anyway, I'm reading into the scripture a little, but I don't need God's forgiveness. 
If you and I are going to live and worship God genuinely, we need a revelation. We need an understanding that we all need to know God's forgiveness and that we all need to experience God's forgiveness. And whenever Jesus forgave someone, whenever, whenever God forgave someone right throughout history, up to the cross, before the cross, God did so knowing that his son Jesus would one day die on the cross. He would pay the just penalty, the punishment that God himself must give because he's a holy God against sin. He knew that one day Jesus would die physically for the sins of the world. And so, he, so God would be the one who, could, who would justly forgive. And today we look back to the cross, to the event that changed history. And we know that Jesus Christ died on that cross for you and I to save us from our sin, to secure forgiveness for you and I. And you and I can this morning know God's forgiveness and enter into a relationship with God as our Father in heaven. He's like no other father. He's like no, no earthly father. Your earthly father let you down. All us fathers at some point let our children down. We're human. We're earthly, but your father in heaven will not let you down. He asks that you trust him and abandon yourself to him and to his son, Jesus Christ. I wonder what the sins this woman had done. We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. Maybe she'd been a prostitute. Maybe she'd been a liar, unfaithful. She was known in her community, a drug addict. She was known in her community. There's nothing, no sin, nothing you've done in your life that Jesus won't forgive. He's willing to forgive you this morning if you would come to him. He simply asks that you would trust him, that you would turn to him and trust him. Maybe you're a good person today. You, you, you're a good person. You're a great guy. You're a wonderful lady. You're a great kid. You're a good person. I believe there's something in that, you know. We're created in God's image. There's some goodness in us. Yet the Bible says there's no one righteous, not even one. When it comes to being in a right relationship with God, we can only come into that relationship with God through trust in Jesus Christ. And knowing his forgiveness. Because self-righteousness, that which Jesus warned against, self-righteousness is perhaps the most dangerous sin. It'll keep you out of the kingdom, keep you out of a relationship with Jesus. It'll say to you, I'm a good person. I don't need God. I don't need his forgiveness. I'm going to ask the band to close. Thank you, Lord. We're just going to make some opportunity this morning. And it would be a brave step to take. But if the Spirit of God has been calling you, and you know, you don't know your Father in heaven as your Father, you know you don't know God's forgiveness yet, you know you need to.
It would be a brave step to take. But I, I would ask you this morning, if you're in that place where you know that it's time for you to publicly take a stand and say, yes, I'm going to acknowledge before my brothers and sisters in Christ, I'm going to acknowledge before the others who are in this church that I'm moving forward in my relationship with Jesus. We saw a public declaration of faith today. Today, this could be a start of your public declaration that I'm not ashamed of Jesus and what he did on the cross, and I'm not ashamed to admit I need God's forgiveness. I'm, humble, I'm humbling myself and crying out to God. I'd ask you to come forward if that's you. We can help you. We can just pray with you, stand with you, and journey with you. God calls us into a church, into his church, when we come to know Jesus. Uh, you're not to created to, and meant to live it, this life following Jesus on your own. It might take some humility, but I'm asking if that's you this morning, if you would. It's not the only way, I know. I came to Jesus in my bedroom. I cried out to God in my bedroom, just me and Jesus. Realized I needed forgiveness. Thought I was too bad. Thought God wouldn't forgive me. I read, I had a Bible. I picked up Luke chapter 7 and I read that account. Jesus forgave the sinful woman. I'm just going to ask if the band, they're going to play and just you come forward. Maybe you've got unforgiveness that you're dealing with. I've dealt with unforgiveness as a believer and I will again, no doubt. But God will see you through that. God gives enabling grace to forgive and to continue to forgive. God will help you forgive. He understands the hurt, but we need to forgive. A relationship where one cannot go to the other and ask forgiveness is in trouble. A relationship where the offended cannot forgive is dead. But Jesus, but God through Jesus on the cross has forgiven that which offended God. Just ask the band to play.